This week's episode is kindly supported by Species Unite. Species Unite is a series of conversations with world-leading activists, advocates, artists, filmmakers and conservationists who are fighting injustice towards animals. Listen to conversations with Mercy for Animals' Leah Gosses, filmmakers Beverly and Derek Schubert, and legendary photographer Joanne MacArthur, Barbara King, whose TED Talk about animal emotions went viral, Ma Ching of Animal Hope and Wellness on his time inside Asia's dog slaughterhouses, Jan Kremer on the end of circuses, and so many others who've dedicated their lives to create a better world for all the inhabitants who share it, a world of coexistence. Find out more at speciesunite.com or click the link in the description. We had to sit at a table where there's meat. It was a Chinese restaurant, so there's plenty of rice and vegetables, but there's meat going around. And one of the guys sitting next to us, just live a little, live a little by eating death. And if I really wanted to live a little, if I really wanted to go a little crazy, I wouldn't eat some dead animal. I'd have some like, you know, vegan Ben and Jerry's or something, something I would actually like. It's, they think it's, a lot of these guys think it's something you're resisting, like you're using your willpower. No, I find that stuff grotesque. It's not even food. It's like eating a, a, an old tire of a car. <laughs> it's not something you eat. Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of the PBN podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Lockie. On this week's episode, we meet Ryan Lum. Him and his partner, Angie, have been producing content as Happy Healthy Vegan since 2013, promoting a healthy plant-based diet for better health, fitness, as well as protection of animals and the environment. They're based over in Southern California and they have created over a thousand videos covering a wide range of topics with over 30 million views to date. Happy Healthy Vegan has over 200,000 YouTube subscribers and over 60,000 Instagram followers. The Lums have been interviewed for health and diet related programs and documentaries, including Eat to Live Longer and What the Health. I sat down with Ryan. Angie wasn't around at the time, but we had a really great, deep and interesting conversation about all kinds of really cool topics, including life, veganism, politics, conspiracy theories. It was amazing. Ryan is hilarious and he's a brilliant guy and he's got a wealth of knowledge on plant-based nutrition. He's also really interested in politics too, as I said, and that was also really fun to talk about as well. I don't get to speak about politics that often, so I really enjoyed that. If you enjoy this episode, please don't forget to comment, like and share. It gets the message out there. And also, if you're on iTunes, please leave us a review. It also is really good for the podcast, too. Thanks so much for joining us on the PBN podcast, Ryan. It's a real pleasure to have you on. Yeah, thanks, Robbie. I'm honored to be on here. Yeah, it's been uh, many years. I've obviously followed you guys since since I've been vegan. I've been vegan seven years and, uh, you know, followed you and Angie all the way. Uh, from my first, you know, first kind of foray into veganism, because YouTube was really the only place to to find anything, you know, useful about veganism. I always j- joke that when I first went vegan, the only thing on the internet was more like a cry for help than anything else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, things have changed a lot. So, wow, I, yeah, I didn't realize you've been watching the whole time. That's when we started about seven years yeah. ago. Hello, people. This is Brian Lum here with my health tip of the day. This is the very last day of February, and we're having a very nice, warm, sunny day here in Southern California. So I'm out in the backyard soaking up sunshine, but not for a suntan. It's for vitamin D. Um, Well, it's not the most well-known fact. I think that the best way to get vitamin D is not through a pill or supplement or food. It's really from the sun, from the sunshine. So that's why it's important to get sunshine throughout the year. Just try not to get all blasted with um, 
you know, too much sun, so you get all sunburnt. The trick is just to time it, depending on the time of the year. Right now, 10, 15 minutes of direct noontime sun seems to get it done, and I try to do that three, four times a week if the weather permits. Also, try not to wear any hats or anything like that. Um, just let the sun just hit all the skin, all your body, all your scalp as much as you feel comfortable having it hit you. And also I, I strongly recommend, if you've never got one before, most of us haven't, is getting a vitamin D um, test done next time you get some blood work done. In fact, most doctors um, won't order it unless you specifically ask for it. So demand, say you want to see how your vitamin D levels, you tell me understand that it's um, you know, hard um, or difficult to um, have a good vitamin D level in your blood. So um, check that out and um, adjust accordingly. All right, so happy sunbathing, happy sunshine, happy health. For me, you, vegan YouTube has been a bit of a bit, a bit sort of like the Wild West. There's just yeah, it's there's been peaks, there's been troughs, there's been highs, there's been lows. There's been it has been it's been like a Greek tragedy in many ways. <laughs> That's but, uh, a great way to describe it. I agree. <laughs> but uh, before we talk about you know everything you're doing now and everything you've done in the in the recent in recent times, let's go back and hear your vegan story. And and how did you know? How did you discover the lifestyle, and where did it all begin for you? Well, uh, it goes back a long way, actually. Like um, back to the 1990s. Let's go back to that. I'm a little bit older than you guys. I was like a, a child of the 90s. That's when I was like, you know, in my early 20s, just getting started, figuring things out. And back then, um, I strangely ran into some Hare Krishnas at a, at a, I think it was a Grateful Dead show or something. And anyway, um, they were serving free vegetarian food to everyone who would take some. I go, wow, stuff's delicious. And that kind of got me on the th thinking like, wow, animals don't need to die in order for me to live. And that was a profound, um, just it had a profound impact on me just to think that I thought like, gee, why would I want to intentionally choose a lifestyle that entailed animals dying needlessly when I could choose one that didn't. Um, so I, I tried to go vegetarian then I was still living at home, you know, parents cooking. So it didn't last that long, but my mom was cool. She learned a few dishes and it lasted maybe three months or so. But it was logistically tough. And, you know, it was the 90s. It wasn't like, you know, Google, YouTube, all these books and, and restaurants and everything like that. So it wasn't until uh, Angie and I um, started dating in 1998. She was already a vegetarian. And um, so we're eating a pretty low meat diet anyway, just like some dairy, basically. Anyway, finally, in 2009, I took a trip to San Francisco, uh, spent the whole week there eating only vegan food. I chose vegan options at restaurants, just made vegan food for ourselves where we're staying at. And it just dawned on me again, wow, a whole, a whole week, I feel awesome. Animals didn't need to die. Uh, so later on, next the next that year, I just said 100%. I'm not going to dilly-dally around. I'm going 100% vegan. So I did it, yeah, specifically for the animals. And the longer I stayed, I learned all the reasons why I'm, I'm doing what I'm doing now, how it's the best chance we have of saving our planet. It's a really good thing for us health-wise. It's great for the animals, obviously. So it's just a win, win, win. Obviously, at the time, like, you know, the world is very different now. But were there people around you that kind of, 
you know, I'm not going to say conspired against you, but it can feel like that when you first go vegan. You've got people who make fun of you. They joke about your diet and lifestyle. And, you know, did you have any pushback from people around you? No, not really. I mean, we're just we're kind of loners in a sense. So we don't really have a huge circle of friends that would give us much crap or anything. And we live in California, which is like, you know, been super, you know, the capital of vegetarianism and, and vegan now too, sort of. So yeah, not not really. I, could, I know I hear, you know, people I, like, that comment to us in the in the live chat and stuff where they're saying like they're the only vegan in their state that they know of and it's tough their whole family thinks they're crazy i even had one um viewer um have me um he he wanted me to talk to his parents like on skype uh to convince them that this isn't some crazy thing because they're getting some weird low carb information from their trainer that's you know makes them afraid to eat rice and legumes and bananas and stuff like that and you know so yeah fortunately for us no everyone's really you know for the most part positive out here well that's good that's good that's probably one of the many reasons why you have stuck with it for so long because you've surrounded by you know positivity and kind of encouragement because i think for many you know this is the reason why a lot of people actually fall off the apple cart because they don't have the support yeah you talk about that study from the god what's the name of that um group um uh, I've I referred to it many times, but yeah, just lack of support, that kind of thing. Not that they found the diet difficult or challenging, but just social pressures. It does. People standing there, you know, at the birthday party or, you know, the bar mitzvah or whatever saying, you know, <laughs> just have a little cheese. No one's going to know. I'll just have a little bacon. No one's going to know. You know, that kind of pressure from friends and family is very difficult, you know, and a lot of people struggle with it. You just have to know how to react to it because that's happened to us. We went to a, a wedding and um, we had to sit at a table where there's meat. It was a Chinese restaurant, so there's plenty of rice and vegetables, but there's meat going around. And one of the guys sitting next to us, just live a little and i'd go and do you see irony of what you're saying live a little by eating death and if i really wanted to live a little if i really wanted to go a little crazy i'd have i wouldn't eat some dead animal i'd have some like you know vegan ben and jerry's or something something i would actually like it's like eating dead animals not like they think it's a lot of these guys think it's something you're resisting like you're using your willpower no i find that stuff grotesque it's not even food it's like eating a, a, an old tire of a car <laughs> it's not something you eat it is. It's amazing how our views and our sort of like framework shifts. But obviously, you know, going back to the sort of your childhood, like what was the kind of food culture that you grow up, uh, grow up around as a very young child? Like what what kind of food was kind of given to you? Um, you know, in your, in your, in your youth? I think the, um, the, what you're asking there is just would be the answer that pretty much any person, my age, around my age, any Gen X or Gen Wire would say they were exposed to just your standard American diet. You know, nothing great, nothing bad, just the standard food that you get in supermarkets and restaurants. Yeah. In England, we call it meat and two veg. So like, one type of meat and like two vegetables and that's it well that's a better start than i think what's going on here but <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's an interesting one because i think like food culture is such a a powerful kind of it's a it has this sort of powerful connection between what people eat and and their kind of traditions and this is why i often find people really struggle with separating themselves from their food culture say you're spanish or greek or italian or something like that you latin food culture is so strong and it's so hard to separate people from that sometimes and you know i've spoken to a lot of my sort of latin friends that when they said that they were going plant-based or vegan or veg- even vegetarian their grandmothers or their aunties were horrified 
they were sort of turning their back on their culture. So it was not so much about eating animals, but that they were actually turning their back on on a tradition that was sort of, you know, handed down from, you know, generation to generation. So yeah, I can see how older folks might think that a fear of the unknown, a fear of abandoning their culture. But it's funny how you bring up Latin food, like Mexican food, Central American food. I mean, that, that here in Los Angeles, there's more vegan Mexican and, and Latin food pop-ups and restaurants than any other kind of food. And it's because if you look at what's the fundamental, what are the fundamental foods of like, say, Mexican foods, rice, beans, potatoes, stuff like that. I mean, yeah. just don't guacamole. put the freaking meat. Yeah, guacamole. Just don't put the freaking meat and cheese in. It's really simple. Yeah. And you talk about like, you know, not being able to use their grandparents' recipes. Well, I know people who have taken their, their recipes from like their ancestral lands, like Oaxaca, and, and and glorified them as much as they could th- and made them vegan, you know, and they taste absolutely delicious. I've traveled through all throughout Mexico, and I, I know what authentic Mexican food tastes like, and these people have nailed it so their ancestors should be honored <laughs> yeah it's a time for making i always say it's a time for making new traditions that ultimately the the, the job of, of of you know us as vegans is to carve out new traditions and new dishes that obviously look and taste similar to what we ate before but are different because we you know we've, we we have so many reasons why we should change the way we eat but Going back to sort of like, you know, the history, history books, how did uh, you and uh, uh, Ananji meet? Because obviously you're both known for being Happy Healthy Vegan on YouTube and you've been doing it for several, you know, quite a few years now. How did you guys meet and, and how did you sort of come up with the idea to, to create a YouTube channel? Well, we met through our, our circles of music. Yeah, like before I was doing Happy Healthy Vegan, was, still am, a music producer, musician, recording artist. Um, so we kind of met through those circles because she was a musician and a, a radio DJ at, at, um, at one of the University of California's. So we kind of met through there and realized we had a lot um, that we could we could work. Well, first, we, we were attracted to each other. And then we realized that we're very compatible with each other. We we're born just a year apart. Both grew up in Southern California. We both have our weird little surfer kind of accents or whatever. We know all the same stuff and, you know, and. We're very compatible. So it just took off from there. And she knew, dated me. I wasn't vegan or vegetarian. Like her, she was vegetarian. Had She's been a vegetarian since the 80s, since high school. So but when she learned that I gave it a shot, and, you know, um, she could she knew I wasn't opposed to it or anything like that. So she took a chance with me. And here I am, the one, like, you know, after we've been dating like 12 years, hey, let, let's start a, a vegan YouTube, <laughs> social media presence, you know, because we were getting a lot of questions on our band's social media about the meals that angie would put up and people knew when they saw me in the 90s i weighed like you know like 240 pounds and then you know they see me later on weighing under 200 pounds like what's ryan doing is looking better so people are asking us more stuff about our our lifestyle and our food than they were about our music after a while so i thought okay instead of answering everyone these with these long email replies that take me forever it's just use social media and try to get um get the information out there more efficiently and it just kind of started from that Mm, amazing youtube vegan pioneers <laughs> kind of yeah we weren't the first or anything but i guess we're part no. of like a first or second wave or something yeah, like that you definitely you've stayed the course for sure because uh, i still we'll, feel exactly the same I, it's like i'm 100 I'm once i realized getting back to what we're talking about earlier how um greenhouse gas emissions the number one threat to our planet besides other th- things that animal agriculture is causing like rainforest destruction 
animal agriculture is behind all this. It's the number one cause of greenhouse gas emissions more than transportation combined. Uh, I mean, our planet is headed for peril. It's already in peril. 100 degrees in the Arctic Circle right now. I mean, this is unprecedented in modern times. And what I'm saying is our Earth is in danger of not being habitable for not only humans, but for most other species, too. And for me, that was like a dead end for me, like to stop what I was pursuing. I mean, I'm still working on music and other things, but I need to if I wanted to, like, look at the next generation, honestly, and and I don't want them to look at us like, how come you guys sucked and destroyed the planet and just sat around and did nothing? I want to say I did everything. I I changed my whole life to try to make the planet better for you and me and your children, who you'll hopefully have. So. I'm I'm all in on trying to trying to make the world a better place for for everyone. All right, so on to food filing. So for breakfast, this is scaled down for me. It's hard for me to find bananas. So just five bananas. Fortunately, I have my clean green protein from Clean Machine to help fill it out a little bit. And yeah, making my smoothie. And I have to say, after all these years, this is what I still crave. People ask me, does it get old? No, it doesn't get old. After a workout, this is the number one food I want to have. And fortunately, I was able to have some today. But yeah, with five bananas instead of eight or nine, I'm gonna get a little hungry earlier. So fortunately, Angie made us lunch a little earlier with this green chili grits and kale recipe, which will be in her upcoming book. So stay tuned for that later this year. And do you think I liked it? Let's see, here's my first bite and look at that. I am stoked. It was so good, it's ridiculously good. Since you started, what are some of the highlights of the YouTube experience and some of the lowlights too? Well, the the, the um, highlights are definitely like you know knowing people like you. You know, I mean, like I said earlier, we're kind of like you know um, kind of hermits of sorts. You know, but um, um, through veganism, like people say, oh, if I were to go vegan, I wouldn't have any more friends. I don't. It's like no, you'll have more friends. I have there's there, you probably know what I'm talking about, Robbie. Sometimes there's certain points in the year when I tell Angie. I don't care what's happening next week or I'm staying, I'm burnt out. I'm so tired of going out all the time to all these different vegan events, meeting with vegan friends. And I'm just tired. Not that I, I don't like them or anything. I'm just so burnt out right now. I need to like do my thing. I need to make some more videos. I need to make some music. So it's like, you know, I'm saying the good, I'm making that sound negative, but it's positive. There's so much, there's choice. This isn't there. There's so much to do and friends to meet and events to go to and new restaurants. And like, you know, if you live, if you're fortunate enough to live in a metropolitan city that, that's it isn't it there's just so many possibilities yeah you nailed it our social lives have never been busier is what i'm saying and for me sort of an introvert it's it's a, it's challenging to be like that all the time i was going out doing stuff so um i guess covid has been kind of a, a blessing in disguise as far as that goes just being able to back off that and just kind of relax take a deep breath and just focus on things here at where we live at and because this our house is like our studio for everything making videos making music and all our creative projects so it's you know it's giving me some time to i, I want to go back out again is what i'm saying hey this is angie for happy healthy vegan so another morning here at home and i thought i'd uh make another vlog just to keep you guys updated things are changing so rapidly um on a kind of a side note from all that one thing i've noticed around here lately is that it will be sunny in the morning and i'll think oh we're gonna have a great day and then like all the clouds roll in and the winds pick up and then we have to close all the windows again so it's 
been a bummer. Anyways, I'm going to try to get out and enjoy some of the sun while it lasts. The negatives, though, I'm sure you know, the ne- it's probably the same story for anyone who's been doing this for a while and has some degree of notoriety or, or success or whatever. But, you know, dealing with hate, dealing with hateful people that have in, in real life would never talk to you. Like you just, if you're not a social media person or a, a celebrity or micro celebrity or whatever, you'll, you probably don't experience hate. Like, like we do, you know, it's like, yeah, and normally when you go about your life, you don't have some people telling you how, how horrible you look and, and, and how just whatever things the haters like to throw at you, you know? So that's kind of a bad thing. And, and it sucks that, um, each of us has our own individual ways of reacting to it. Some people get really emotionally disturbed by it. Others can be more flippant and say, these guys are just fools. Don't listen to them. So it sucks having to deal with that kind of thing. But I just say, look, these guys are just hateful people. And one breath will say something really ageist about us, something racist. Go, The list goes on. These are just effed up people generally. So you know, it sucks that I have to hear their their opinions about me. But I just know they're really they're low life people I would never talk to anyway. I don't talk to racists. You know, I don't talk to people who are bigots. Have you ever done a um, vegan reading vegan hate comments video? Oh, yeah. Those are fun. Angie kind of gets bugged when I do them too often. But I, I don't go too overboard, maybe like yeah. two or three a year. But I, I think it's kind of fun <laughs> to read these stupid comments, expose them for their there's they're just hateful opinions. They're horrible grammar. And, you know, just everything is wrong about them. All right. Next comment. Some people like to comment on our long hair, like also get a haircut. You are what make vegans lose all credibility. And also just plain old hippies. Hippies? Whatever gave you that idea? Also, what's up with everyone saying we're Portlandia? We get that comment all the time. Yeah, you both remind me of the Portlandia TV series. We're a sketch right out of Portlandia. We are doing sketches. <laughs> this is real life. But I don't know, I take that as a compliment because, you know, Fred and Carrie are pretty funny. It's one of our favorite shows. I guess I have the answer. That is a durian. Well, I'm sure the people in the wilderness of the jungle don't think it's too hard. I can see why people make that comparison because why? there's two of them. Okay. Two of us, a guy and a girl, and you know, you and I can both be pretty funny when we want to be. We don't wear costumes. And some people even think we remind them of Wayne's World. What? <laughs> well, what about Bill and Ted next then? <laughs> okay, welcome to Wayne's World. Party on, Garth. Party on, Wayne. Party time! Excellent! Okay, extreme close up! Whoa! Wayne's World! Wayne's World! <laughs> God, YouTube kind of is like Wayne's World, isn't it? it the is. whole thing is Wayne's it's World. It's kind of eerie, and huh? You're making a show in your basement. <laughs> it's hilarious. I, f- I find this aspect. We were sitting uh, in the um, living room last night talking about this, and that we made this realize that we had this realization that good people, kind-hearted people, don't feel the need to inject their opinion into other people's content. Good, kind-hearted, compassionate people don't go around slamming other people on their content. But assholes, <laughs> you know, who have got nothing better to do with their lives because they're bored in their mother's basement or something, crying into their own salad, you know, they have nothing better to do other than go on the internet and bully other people. So really the comments section of the internet is often the place where the worst of humanity is exposed and kind of like revealed, right? So as I say to a lot of my friends, unless you want to develop some kind of serious chronic depression, don't read the comments. <laughs> yeah, that's that's actually really good advice, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So this anti-vegan writes, yeah, vegan, bad teeth. 
never-ending inflammation. Yeah, I want to say, yeah, bro, you're just completely making stuff up. You're engaged in classic anti-vegan fantasy here. Well, let me let's talk about bad teeth first. I assume you're talking about like cavities. And I've been vegan, completely vegan for over eight years. Same with Angie. So that's 16 vegan years total there. And between the two of us, I think we've had one, maybe two cavities that entire time. So I'm not sure what you're trying to say here about vegan bad teeth. Never ending inflammation, we've got that completely backwards. High protein diets cause inflammation. Plant-based diets, on the other hand, are high in antioxidants and actually reduce inflammation. I can go on there, just delete them and ban them. I have no, I, don't, I, I just ban people all the time, block them. I don't like, you know, I'm not a, a governmental agency. I don't have to respect everyone's freedom of speech to, to slander me with horrible, hateful comments. So I just block them because I know if they come back a second or third time, they're not going to all of a sudden say cool stuff and, and, and contribute to a productive conversation. They're just going to keep on being trolls. So I, that's not time. Life's too short. They, they want your time. They want attention too. So just block them move on and you give attention to the people who want your attention. People are receptive to what you're trying to say. Not to say I'm just preaching to the choir. I'm just going, life is short. Time is, is you know, a premium. You got to know how to like um, budget your time when you're, you're communicating with people in the, in the comments. Absolutely. People who are aggressive or nasty to you on social media, you do not owe them or they do not owe you anything. And you, you really don't need to communicate. And I think this is what social media does. It, it's designed to encourage you to respond. And so the algorithm and the comments and the threads and all those kind of things, they're built to make you, uh, to keep you engaged and to want you to keep uh, responding. So, you know, the best advice is is that, as you said, block people liberally and don't feel obliged to respond to people just because they've been aggressive. You know, it's the best, best course of action. Yeah, block and move on. Respond to a nice viewer who has a, a great question where, where your answer actually might help them. <laughs> Absolutely. So on the topic of content, um, you've obviously created many videos over the years. What have what have been some of your favorites and why? Yeah, we do all sorts of videos if people are not familiar with our channel. I mean, I know some channels kind of specialize in certain types of videos, like say Mike the Vegan specializes in like, you know, scientific types of videos, which is one of my things. In fact, um, I'll, I'll take some credit. I think Mike kind of like... Um, followed in my footsteps a little bit of doing like evidence-based videos. Not to say I have a copywriter patent on it. He does it much better than I do too. But anyway, um, that's something I like to do. I like to do response videos. You know what it's like reading the, the, the Guardian or the Daily Fail, seeing some headline, how going vegan will make you bald or going vegan will make you depressed or vegans more likely to whatever this nonsense. And I just go and look at the studies that, and you know, these, those journalists are irresponsible. They don't read through the studies and see that most of them are funded by the meat or dairy industries, or there's something really shady usually going on with them. So it's dispelling these stories that the mainstream meat is putting out there to the mass public misinformation about vegan diets. And I feel like I need to respond to that because when you're on facebook and your uncle joey forwards you this story ha told you vegan's bad and they could forward back my video or mike the vegan video whoever you know we need to it's an information war of sorts you know we see it happening not just in veganism but here in the united states like wearing a freaking face mask has become politicized you know with virus has become politicized so misinformation and disinformation you can't just let it propagate through the world unimpeded there needs to be um the balance of the actual evidence-based information getting out to people too. So that's one thing I like to do. And we have fun videos too, just like we put out one yesterday of us, like a bunch of um, 
We've accumulated a bunch of vegan snacks, jerky, ice cream, cookies, and we're just sitting around Angie and I 20 minutes trying them all out, just having a fun, positive conversation. You know, so those are great videos. And when um, we can, when we were able to travel more freely, the you know, we love our travel videos going around different places, usually in California, different cities, towns, trying out vegan food, going camping vegan, stuff like that. Um, and just daily vlogs, you know, they're all fun to do. You know, uh, we enjoy what we're doing. Or else I guess we wouldn't be doing it so years later it's amazing my, my, my one of my favorites is also happens to be one of your biggest uh, viewed videos is bananas the most dangerous fruit in the world <laughs> yeah um, that is yeah. the biggest viewed video yeah. i forgot maybe five million views or something yeah, like five five point three million views i had no idea um, when i made it, it was going to be like that would have probably made it a little better and tighter <laughs> but you know but yeah bananas are one of the most radioactive foods we eat what? Yeah, yeah. When it comes to potassium on Earth, a pretty big ratio of those potassium atoms are radioactive isotopes. Get a good source of potassium around you, eat 200 of these. 200 bananas is the equivalent of one chest x-ray. Wow, sounds pretty scary. I've had about eight bananas a day because it's the only fruit that I can get which makes me even remotely feel like I'm eating. Can I get potassium poisoning or something from that? Yes, you really can. Really? <laughs> Um, you can get cardiac arrhythmias, so your heart rate can go in a funny rhythm if you have enough potassium. How many bananas put me at risk? We wouldn't rec normally recommend more than one or two a day. Really? Having more than two bananas a day puts me at risk for cardiac arrhythmia? Is that for reals? Well, you know, I have like a dozen bananas a day. A dozen? A dozen. Oh, yeah. easy. So <laughs> you both look fit, but, but a dozen bananas at yeah. 100 calories per banana yeah, exactly. is 1,200 you're starting with 1,200 yes. calories in that smoothie. Smashing it in. Plus, <laughs> look how thin. Yeah. Seems like they worry about me gaining weight from eating bananas, which seems kind of crazy. But what about health risks? Nutritionally, uh, one banana has about 450 milligrams of the major electrolyte potassium in it. Uh-oh, here we go about potassium again. The daily recommended amount of potassium that we should get, which is in, the, in quotations, because we don't really know how much we should get, but it's set at about... 4,700 milligrams. There's a great example of misinformation. I'm countering people in the media like Jamie Oliver and the Doctors TV show, which we were on, all this stuff about how bananas are so bad for you. you know, and then just going one by one, each claim that they make, dispelling the myth, showing the actual science, the actual facts behind it. And then just giving my personal story, how I have bananas pretty much every day. In fact, I'm thinking about making another video. It's like eight years now of like around eight bananas a day. What happened to me? Am I diabetic? Am I obese? Am I in the hospital? Are you glowing in the dark from too much phosphorus? <laughs> exactly. From the, the radiation and potassium overdose and all this stuff. So, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you know, I actually love your videos so much that I created, I, co I coined a phrase, epic media takedown. Um, <laughs> and that, and that's what I call them. And I, you know, class has done many uh, over the years as well, yeah. inspired, inspired by yours, where you basically, you know, you are holding the media, the mainstream media to account by you know, tearing into some of these populist health people who claim to be specialists when they're really not they're just full of bs right yeah um, and, it, and it's great it's great because it's nice to have uh an alternative narrative really because i think a lot of the time these big shows they have a national audience but what's fantastic about youtube and a lot of people don't know this is that it's the second most popular search engine on earth next to google.com Google, yeah 
Yeah. And so, you know, YouTube is often the second place that people go when they want to learn about something and when they want to understand a perspective. Obviously, unfortunately, YouTube is also a place where every Tom, Dick and Lucy can make a video about anything. Uh, and sometimes you get videos about absolute nonsense that rises to the top and gets like 100 million views. And then suddenly everyone thinks the earth is flat. Yep, I was going to say the flat earth is only kind of popular now because of YouTube and like that pandemic documentary fiasco because YouTube got it popularized. So yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a trade-off that you, it, you know, social media is a tool. It's like a sword, a hammer. You can use it to kill someone or build a house. And yeah, it could be used for misinformation, disinformation spread or actual fact information spread. So, but it's hard for the general public to distinguish between the two now. It's really, really difficult. Misinformation. Information uh, is packaged now. Very um, uh, in a way, if you're not, if you don't know what to look for, you can be gullible and believe it. How do we police the system, or do we police the system? Because I, I'm, a, I'm like you. I cannot stand disinformation and misinformation because I see it so prevalently. And we'll talk a bit about conspiracy within the vegan community. But you know, should we have tighter controls on these platforms? Should we be banning? Should they be banning more content? blocking more content how do we stop all this disinformation from propagating so rapidly across social media yeah that, that that's the problem i don't know if there is an answer i mean there's there's certain um like you know guidelines that these companies social media companies need to follow like they're inciting violence or, you know things like that um harmful information um, and you know, it's arguable how far how they want to interpret what is harmful information, you know, such as like, you know, videos saying that, like, say the, the pandemic's all a hoax, like 120,000 people have died in our country. I don't think that's a hoax. That's more, just like the flu. There's never been a flu that's killed a hundred thousand, over a hundred thousand people in our country since 1918. I mean, there's a lot of harmful information being spread. So already within the guidelines of like, say YouTube, um, like the, you know, I guess that, that is why they took down the pandemic video. But, you know, they're not taking down every video, I believe, that, you know, says, hey, the virus is a hoax and um, you know, don't wear a but mask. As soon as, they, as soon as they take the content down, the, the conspiracy theorists say, ah, oh, look, we're being uh -huh. censored. They, they think that's proof that it, it validates their theory. Like, no, it was taken down because it was harmful information. Like, say someone made a video saying, ha, huh, jump off a cliff. You will fly. You know, you'll fly like a bird. And if YouTube takes that down, there's a conspiracy theory that's going to say, see, they were right. If you jump off a cliff, you will fly. The proof is right there because YouTube took it down. No, it's not proof of anything. It's proof that harmful information was removed so gullible idiots like the guy complaining won't follow it and harm themselves. <laughs> oh, it, it blows my mind. Um, so, but speaking of sort of, you know, like gullible idiots, you know, veganism and as, a, as an ideology and a philosophy is a lifestyle that has traditionally attracted people on the fringes of society, people who are a little bit different, people who are a little bit, you know, they're loners, you know. I, I, think, I think I see where we might be going here in the, <laughs> the conversation. Yeah, I mean, it attracts all types. I mean, it really, when you get down to it, there's no one way to categorize vegans. I hate it when, do you, do you get hateful comments that begin with the following words? All you vegans, then fill in the blank. There's no such thing about all us vegans other than, yeah, we don't eat animal products. You know, but there's we come, there's such, such a diverse thing. Yeah, in the past, it was maybe kind of a hippie, new age, who knows, woo-woo thing. Not anymore. 
<laughs> but do you think, but because we're such a small portion of society still, like in the UK, we're only like 2% or something. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the reason that there's so, so the point I'm leading, leading on to the yeah. question, which is about why does it seem from inside this community, inside the movement of people, that there are so many people in the vegan community who are obsessed with conspiracies, who seem so easily taken in by conspiracies 5g is causing COVID 19 <laughs> bill yeah. gates is bill selling gates. vaccines to to make more money he's one of the richest men on earth and he wants to make more money so out of vaccines so that makes sense and he wants to uh, put the microchip in us to track oh, yeah. us we're already right. carrying a cell phone that will track us better i mean but it's I mean, just all this nonsense it, it, why do you think it's why do you it seems so is it just me or is it just you know, prevalent within our community, or was it just Here, not? Here is my take on it. I, I see lots of non-vegans believing in such nonsense too. So I don't think the proportion of vegans believing this nonsense is much different, much higher than the non-vegan population at large. Maybe you're just seeing it more from vegans because your social circle is more filled up with vegans. Yeah. Makes sense. Now, obviously, going on a little bit more about conspiracy and the psychology behind it, there's the Dunning-Kruger effect, which is talked mm-hmm. a lot about by as a reason for why people sort of tend to get sucked into conspiracy theories. Do you think that this is a sort of like failing of the human psyche, or do you think it's something that humanity will evolve beyond? <laughs> That's that's a super important question because we, we were seeing this before COVID nineteen. Like all the virologists and epidemiologists and medical doctors now can't believe how the public's reacting. And I hear the climate scientists, yeah, welcome to our life, you know. So this is, you know, people have ways of, um, of uh, I think it's a way of of like suppression, denial. This don't want to believe certain information and veganism is part of that. A lot of, you know, the general public generally believes that vegan diets are deficient. We will be dead without animal protein and stuff like that. And they think they know better. You You can show them, you know, all the studies, you can show them the American Medical Association, the British Dietetics Association's position on vegan and vegetarian diets, it makes no impact. People now, some for some reason, I guess because they can hit Google and find information that confirms their bias, they believe they know better than people who are trained experts, published, you know, people who have been studying this for decades. Um, so, um, I don't know, I just, the ult- ultimate and just like, you know, ignorance to believe that. My favorite thing what people say to you is when they have a differing differing opinion or view, they go, well, you clearly haven't researched it. Go and research it yourself. <laughs> and what does the research entail? Watching some tinfoil hat guy on YouTube, most likely. Yeah. <laughs> Who's one is, who wants to sell you a book or some special pendant that's going to protect you from 5G? <laughs> I mean, you know, this is this is the way it is. But I think this is I think this is the trouble with the human mind is that a lot of people are looking for confirmation of the bias within their mind, and they're not prepared to push beyond the boundaries of what they don't know and they don't understand. Because I think for the most part, most human beings are very comfortable knowing that they don't know and they leave it at that. But then there's a lot of people out there who exhibit the Dunning Kruger effect who don't know, but they think that they know. But they spend a lot of time shouting from the rooftops about the stuff that they think that they know, but they clearly don't. And the people that really do know, the experts, the specialists, sit in silence because they don't feel they have a place to speak because they're too shy or awkward or, you know. It's hilarious. I'm sure you guys are on like following on, on Instagram or Facebook, Dr. Garth Davis's post. And he just, oh, yeah. it's so incredulous, he says, how these people 
who probably didn't even graduate high school are telling him to educate himself, um, so, you know, to, to do the research. And yeah, he, he has. <laughs> it's, it's, just, it's incredulous how these people think they know more than someone who's actually, you know, in the, the field and done the research. When uh, most of these people complaining are have neither not in the field and have done no research other than their loose definition of research, like you know, watching uh, some dude on YouTube. If you're listening and you're not following Dr. Garth Davis, please do. He is brilliant and entertaining and fascinating, and and his book uh, Proteinaholic. Yes. The pro- yeah, the Proteinaholic is a brilliant book, and it actually was the, one of the books that got my 62 year old dad to go vegan. Um, he, my dad, read it, and he, you know, he uh, he completely changed his whole diet and lifestyle. So it's fantastic. So I just made us the uh, what did I call the peach smoothie? Anyways, I think a peach pie smoothie from the Keep It Carb Baby book. Yeah, Ryan's blasting the Olympics in the background. <laughs> Olympic racing. So, yeah, this one cup, I guess, is not going to be enough for Ryan, but uh, he'll he can make another smoothie after this. Now that summer tomatoes are in abundance, I thought it was high time. I made some of my blender chili. Um, I didn't go as crazy with the toppings today. Just got some avocados, pepitas, and some chives. And uh, it's so good. I can't wait to dig into this. So refreshing on a hot day. Hey, babe. Hey. What do you think? It's been a while. Nice to be cool again. Yeah. Mm. Mm, Thanks, babe. Yeah. Yeah, I thought a nice cool soup would hit the spot. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. On the on the topic of diet, one of your catchphrases is "keep it carbed, baby." <laughs> uh, and for the listeners that, listeners that don't know, um, there's no lots of different ways to eat vegan. But um, what is it about sort of high carb that you guys, you know, you obviously eating, you know, not being afraid of carbs has always been a thing for happy, healthy vegan. Tell us a bit a bit more about that. Well, I mean, yeah, there's many different ways to eat vegan. You could just eat um, like French fries and Oreos and call yourself a vegan, right? I mean, that that's definitely like because vegan, yeah, I don't want to get too far away from your question, but it is, it's a moral stance. You know, yeah. you either agree or disagree with the proposition that you know, it's wrong. It's morally wrong to kill and exploit animals needlessly for food, clothing, or other purpose. But anyway, back to to diet though um carbs it's it's i mean most if you're if you're vegan plants predominantly are carbohydrate um rich unless you 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 seek out the highest fat plants and just eat like nuts and seeds um avocado and durian barring those few foods it's it's carbs carbs are you know what plants are predominantly made of and there's this uh, kind of you know in society especially especially here in the united states a fear of carbs and people hear the word carbs they i don't know what they think of they think of all these evil things and weight gain so it's just to play on that like no carbohydrates whole food carbohydrates not i'm not talking about downing sugar or anything like that uh, is is what plants are made of just eat plants is basically what we're saying yeah, that's great and that's the thing like people talk about carbs and have a fear of carbs and they have fear of french fries and a fear of baked potatoes and a fear of mashed potato and they're like okay i'm terrified to eat these foods because they're going to make me um overweight and they're going to cause me to gain weight but a lot of the time these foods are prepared prepared with like loads of margarine and butter and cheese and 
you know, loads of other things and various other ingredients, which are the devil really on the plate when you think about it. I don't know anyone who's just eaten baked potatoes and some vegetables who's ever, you know, gained weight from eating in that way. And even French fries, you can have you can have air fried or, mm-hmm. or grilled French fries with no oil. I, I personally believe you're not going to, you know, become obese from eating air fried French fries. Yeah, but, you, um, you raise a great point, Robbie. Most people say, I, I'm afraid of carbs. I don't eat carbs. They don't even know what carbs are. Like you said, they'll identify a food, like say a donut. Oh, I can't eat that. Well, yeah, it's pretty much like it's more fat calories from fat than from the bread <laughs> and everything else you said. Yeah, usually when they think of potato, people are putting you know, fatty dairy stuff on it too. So it's funny how people will ignore that macronutrient, but be focusing on just the one, the carbs. So just trying to dispel that whole way of thinking. But yeah, I really don't see too many people who are getting that obese and diabetic from eating whole food plants. You know, it just doesn't really work out that way. Yeah. And as, as Dr. Michael Greger said, and if you're not following Dr. Michael Greger, do check out nutritionfacts.org, an amazing man. He often says that it's the only diet, a whole food plant-based diet is the only diet proven to stop and reverse some of the leading killers of human beings today. And that it should be the default diet until proven otherwise this is the facts but yet we still have to sit and remind people about this over and over but it is what it is <laughs> 14 of the 15 leading causes of death can be either um, treated or reverse by eating a whole food plant-based diet and this includes the leading killer of all heart disease in fact a whole food High carb, low fat vegan diet is the only diet by science, clinical trials that have shown, they've been shown to actually reverse heart disease. Previously clogged arteries opened up months later. No other diet has done that. Like heart disease for all practical purposes does not have to exist. Yet people don't care. <laughs> they just, I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> to me, if someone said, Hey, if I, here's a diet that's actually healthy, you know, delicious, and you, your chance of dying from the leading cause of death go way down, it seems like, yeah no-brainer, right? And it actually helps save the planet as well, and animals don't need to die. It's like, sign me up! But no, no, a lot of just like, nah, I don't care. Now, well, we have all these facts, and we have all this science, and we've got all these studies, yet... There are vegan YouTubers who are deeply entwined within the community and are deeply entwined within the facts, the science, the information for many years. And yet what feels like a drop of a hat to have dropped the lifestyle, dropped the diet and gone 180 degrees from being, you know, animal loving, tree hugging, (laughs) earth loving vegans to now being hunters. Now, (laughs) now, Now, how does, you know... There's, we could talk for hours about yes. the psychology of this type of stuff, but like being on on YouTube and experiencing this for over the last seven years, like uh, you know, because a lot of we get asked this all the time: How are people going from being passionate vegans about this diet, this lifestyle, this philosophy, one minute, and then the next minute being completely the opposite, like? you know maybe we'll talk maybe you can give a comment about the psychology maybe you can talk about i don't know some kind of parasite that's getting into their brain that like- <laughs> yeah okay i'm going to give my answer i've talked about this um before and i don't mean to offend anyone okay i my per- my purpose here is to answer the question as honestly as i can so if anyone i'm that hears this and it speaks to something you're doing just take warning i'm not calling you out i'm not saying you will follow in the same fate as these unnamed people but they have many things in common. If you look at like pretty much all these dudes and gals who have quit being vegan in the past year and a half, and I'm talking about vegan influencers on, on YouTube, primarily Instagram, but they've let's look what, what, what they have in common. They, they, they were 
approaching it from like an ex- like extreme dieting stor- sort of standpoint, as opposed to being like, you know, animal activists. Um, they have, like say, let's look at like the fruitarianism. Pretty much all these guys and gals were fruitarians for extended periods of time, like multiple years, some like four or five years fasting. Pretty much all of them did some sort of fasting. One dude from England, 35 day water fast, you know, and a lot of these girls too, I'm not going to mention their names, did water fast, um, with the leader of 80, 10, 10. And, um, so there's a pattern of extreme dieting and just weird stuff. Like another one of these dudes, you know, drinking his own urine, maybe that could cause the gut issues. This is the same dude that did the 30 to 5 day water fast. Didn't think maybe any of those things caused the gut problems. No, it was eating potatoes that caused gut problems. So I think it's a combination of that. People were, that were getting into it, it's trendy and, and a trendy diet. They weren't getting it for, for ethics. They were just trying. Oh yeah. And some of these other girls too. I know they stayed at the YouTube house that Brian Turner runs and he's telling me, he saw firsthand that, you know, these girls were, um, really skinny and they didn't really eat much food. They just had the tiniest portion. So, you know, they're just doing some weird dieting. I always preach, just eat whole food plants. You don't have to Mm. eat till you're full. You don't need to go on water fast. You don't need to move to the jungle and do all this weird crap. Just eat plants. It's so simple. And, and have the occasional tub of vegan ice cream and a yes, pizza. <laughs> absolutely. That's, that's my cheat day. You know, I just have a little ice cream and have some fun or go out to a restaurant and have some vegan pizza or whatever. You know, it's like, yeah, I eat primarily whole food plants 99% of the time and have a little fun vegan snack once in a bit. And I didn't see any of these people that, that quit being vegan just eat a predominantly whole food plant-based diet. Yeah, other weird stuff like drinking turpentine, just all sorts of weird, crazy stuff. You know, vegans don't – when you look at the definition of a vegan diet, nowhere in there does, does it say you have to be fruitarian. You have to do regular fasting and detoxifying, this quest for purity kind of nonsense. No. Mm. Well, that actually about- that actually speaks to this term orthorexia. So mm, I, yes. don't it's a, I don't know if it's a universally uh, a recognized mm-hmm. term. But it is. You know, orthorexia is this kind of obsession with eating clean and eating pure food, and it, and it's it, it's it's it is a form of eating disorder. And I I mean I'm not a psychologist or a nutritionist or a doctor, so I can't be making diagnoses of people. But from what I have experienced in this, and from what I experienced with my own friends who have quit veganism a lot of them have had these obsessions with eating pure with detoxifying with always trying to seek out the most perfect diet and you know at the end of the day veganism is not a panacea for all ills it is a a, a philosophy of living and eating and shopping and buying and existing okay and i think a lot of people come to this lifestyle and they think that all their gut issues and their joint problems and (laughs) their mental clarity and everything is going to be perfect 24 7 you're a human being your body is going to break down you're going to have problems you're going to have indigestion you might get food poisoning from a salad you know who knows you're going to get all kinds of ills as you age as a human being and you're not going to be at a hundred percent perfect performance 24 7 and and i think this is where a lot and a lot of them are at were athletes or are athletes and are almost obsessed with being at peak performance 24 7 and if they're not feeling at peak performance 24 7 it must be their diet the vegan diets uh, to blame i mean so many the flip side is so many uh, vegan athletes have accomplished so many amazing things you know so if you have some joint pain or whatever you know that doesn't mean the vegan diet has failed you or anything like that you know speaking for myself here i'm 52 years old and i'm in some of the best like 
athletic shape of my life. Um, I don't know if you saw my videos. I was kind of keeping on the down though in case I failed at it, but I took it upon myself when I was um, 49 years old, almost 50. I said, I want to slam dunk a basketball. That's like just crazy. You don't see like 50 year olds slam dunking basketballs on regulation size um, height um, courts. And it took me over a year of, of hard training, some of the hardest stuff I've ever done. But yeah, I started slam dunking at age 51, still doing it at age 52. And, you know, I'm not going to say it was, I did it because I was, you know, if I was eating another diet, I wouldn't have been able to do it. But the vegan diet gave me plenty of energy to train hard, uh, lots of work, uh, a lot of um, strength training, a lot of aerobic training, plyometrics, super tough training. And then since I'm um, older, um, you know, recovery is an issue. It's a recovery at, 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 at any age, particularly as you age. And maybe that's what some of these, you know, guys that quit, they were getting older and they didn't realize, you know, recovery is different. But anyway, eating a non-inflammatory plant-based diet helps immensely at recovery. So I could work out even harder and accomplish my goals. So, you know, so screw these like, you know, 30-year-old dudes that say they have some joint pain. Get over it. <laughs> Build a bridge, get over it. <laughs> so if you're listening to this podcast in the future, we are currently living through a pandemic globally. It's a bit of a global disaster, especially, you know, in countries like the UK and the US. The way it's been handled has been pretty, pretty shocking. We do know that animal agriculture, particularly factory farming, is coming under heavy scrutiny for, you know, for the risks of zoonotic diseases. Zoonotic diseases are viruses that uh, or, or pathogens that jump from animals to humans. But the way the world is unfolding now, today, Ryan, do you do you think that attitudes are going to change towards eating animals and farming, or do you think we're just going to be business as usual once lockdown is clear? What's your thoughts on that? I don't know. That's it's tough. I mean, um, it's it really what is the, the human nature going to be like? Does, does the people do people really just want life to get back to normal? I mean, yeah. One of the environmental chiefs of the United Nations said, "This is a, like a a wake up call from nature. We've been taking away habitats of animals, uh, making them more stressed, more diseased." Bottom line is like the last pandemic was a hundred years ago, roughly. Um, but zoonotic diseases, um, yeah, um, are here. They're, this is this is a zoonotic disease, and people just think it just from you know Chinese wet markets. That's a perfect breeding ground for them, mind you. But also, um, factory farming conditions are equally as good too. So if we don't want to be going through something like this on a regular basis, and we can't economically, globally, this is horrible. You can't be doing this on any regular basis. People need to, but they can, then again. People need to do a lot of things to make the world um, a safer and better place for us to live, like climate change. And people are just you know, global leaders and just regular people who are given the options of how they can choose a lifestyle that um, significantly helps make our, our, our climate situation better. The, the, the people will just refuse to do anything. So it, I don't know. I really I wonder what it will take. I don't know if this will do it, but you're right. We're seeing more stories from the mainstream news than ever before about the dangers of animal agriculture, the dangers of factory farming, um, seen on a regular basis. So um, if anything, information is getting out to more people. So it's not just like weirdos like me on YouTube saying this. They're seeing it from all over the place now. So maybe I think that's how it works out too. Often with information, you need to see it many times before it starts making an impact on you. 
It's a ticking time bomb. And I think yeah. I really hope that humanity wakes up before it's too late because, you know, all we need, I personally feel like COVID-19 is a shot uh, across the bow. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it, it could have been much worse. You know, imagine we have an influenza that comes along that kills 80% plus of humans that it comes into contact with, with uh, international travel thrown on top of that. Because a lot of people don't think about the, the 1918 uh, pandemic, the influenza. 50 million people died and they did not even have international flights then um you know people were not moving around the planet like they they do today and our globalized society is not as interconnected as it was back then so let's have another influenza and then let's see how humanity reacts it could halve our population or even more you know and if we continue to farm animals in the way we are which as you say is a perfect breeding ground for these these monstrous kind of viruses, we we really are cooking our own, um, you know, crockpot. <laughs> On all sides, yeah, with the the climate change problems, yeah, there's just, we're just it's just it's a precarious time right now for the future of humans and many other life forms on this planet. The question is, well, we collectively and as individuals and globally, politically, do anything significant soon to help this situation. Well, that leads me on to my next question when you mentioned politics. You are very outspoken when it comes to politics. You're like me. You love your rants on Facebook about <laughs> politics. you know, and, and that's why I love following you on social media because you speak your mind. And that, to me, that's what politics is about. It's about not being afraid to speak your mind about the things that you care about. And politics... And I cannot stand it when people say, I don't do politics. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, but every aspect of your life, from your job to the food that you buy, to the clothes that you buy, to the to the road that you drive on is there because of politics. People just don't see that, but you're yeah. absolutely right. Mm-hmm. Taking a stance on politics is the most important thing we can all do, because if you don't use your voice when it comes to this society, somebody else will. And, yeah. and that's why it's so important to stand up and use your voice. So you um, ran for the Long Beach City. Council, uh, yeah. and you kind of wanted to get involved in politics. Tell us a bit about like how you got to that point of getting involved in that, and how was that journey? It's a it's a wild story. Um, it's really um it came down to a, a party, a vegan party, obviously um that we went to uh, Christmas a couple years back, and someone working uh, as a recruiter at the time for um out here in the United States, the Humane Party, a very tiny, tiny third party. They don't even get people on the ballot, basically. Uh, but their um their platform is basically a vegan platform. The Humane Party is all about um abolition. Uh, abolitionism for animals animals shouldn't be enslaved animals you know it's it's a vegan platform basically and they once they learned oh he's a vegan youtuber and he speaks articulately more or less so they're interested and they got me um interested in running for for um politics they were they were hoping i'd run for some kind of more national type position but you know there's no chance of winning that so i said no i'm gonna my city council um person is kind of a um, a red herring and uh, the incumbent, she's not going to win again. So I know it was kind of an open uh, election this time. So anyway, I said, I'm going to run for the local city council. And I'm glad I did because I made lots of connections with the local um, political establishment here, good and bad. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I just see how corrupt politics is on our level. And you're right. There's so much money and the money is, really determines who wins, what positions get put um, passed, whose voices get heard. So you're right. You have to use your voice because if like, like you said, if you don't, someone else's voice will rise to the top and and, and their um, position, which is probably not as good for the planet or good for the city as yours is, will win. 
So true. People people forget the power of the voice. And I think this is it. Once people realize they have that power, it can be used for some really incredible things. Unfortunately, it can also be used for some really terrible things too. We are living in a world where, you know, populist political culture is rising to the top because these people of the sort of often sort of uh, maybe center right politicians are you know very loud mouthed they brash they you know your your uh, your uh, illustrious leader <laughs> 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 the the uh, um the, the orange terror as my mother calls him <laughs> um you know he and, and and some other nasty names i won't repeat on this podcast he um you know, he is a prime example of this, someone who is a huge loudmouth, but has managed somehow to rise to the top of one of the most powerful countries, if not the most powerful country in the world. Isn't it incredible how he's been able to use his voice, which is, you know, whether, whether you like it or not, he's got there. Do you feel like the political system globally is just a bit of a circus or do you think that it can be saved? <laughs> well, our our country is in, in deep, trouble right now for the first time ever in our our 200 plus years as a democracy is democracy under threat we're really um seeing the the beginnings of you know someone who wants to be uh, a fascist authoritarian rule uh, where rules and laws don't apply to the supreme leader so this is the most important election of our lifetimes. And that's why everyone listening right now needs to register to vote. Register right now. It might take longer than you think. You don't want to be on the wrong side of history. You don't want your um, um, your, your children in 20 years, once we're under um, a tight dictatorship, say, hey, how come you didn't vote back in 2020? Because this kind of sucks. <laughs> With cho- choice, though, polit- politics and choice, you know, when you go to the ballot box, when you're standing there and you don't feel that there is an there is anyone there on that because I feel like that here in the UK, yeah. mm-hmm. I'm standing in front of that ballot paper and I'm like, who do I choose? Because they're all clowns. They're all standing there. They can never give a straight answer. They never apologize when they make a mistake. These people don't seem like people to me. They seem They're narcissists. Pretty much yeah. all of them are narcissists and sociopaths. Yeah, they seem mm-hmm. more like robots than they mm-hmm. than real human beings who genuinely want the world to be a be- better place. They're all sociopathic, psychopathic, like narcissists. Someone wrote something about Boris Johnson the other day, which I wish I had saved, but it it was like he is sort of this sort of parasitic entity obsessed with celebrity who's kind of forced his way to the top of this country politically and is now using it as an opportunity to sort of you know just have a bit of fun because at the end of the day when 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 the push comes to shove and and the whole thing collapses like a flan in a cupboard he's going to be safe and still money in the bank and can go back to his his nice life with his you know very very big salary and his large amounts of saving you know, and mummy and daddy and poppy, you know, can can uh, look after him. You know, he, he, there there's so many people in this world who are suffering and struggling, and these politicians don't give a damn. They do not care. Um, I just don't understand how. It's to me, it's like a game of bait and switch. Humanity put their faith in a political system, um, but at the end of the day, the corporations, all the the you know the financial kind of aspects of our society, have taken full control. Because it's it's worse in America than it is here, I think. You know, corporate America controls politics, doesn't it? With all the lobbyists and all the big companies. Yeah, money. Money controls politics. They even control the the city council race I was in. Yeah. 
Do you ever do you ever feel like there is a way out of it? Like you know, being involved in politics and obviously having an interest in it, do you see any alternatives to the sort of current po- political system, the capitalist system, which seems to favour the few and sort of dismiss the many? Yeah, it's that's why it's really unfortunate here in the United States that that people's candidates, like say Bernie Sanders, you know, didn't um, get the party nomination again, second time in a row now. Um, so a lot of people are are um, just kind of disillusioned about the political process. But I tell people, I agree. I, I I'm super depressed that that Bernie is not going to be our presidential candidate. That that said, this election is so important. Like I said, never before has the 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 the, the the specter of uh, of fascism, dictatorship, been a real possibility here. Right now, on the ballot, if the the choice is between um, our uh, orange terror and absolutely no one, I would pick absolutely no one. Or if the choice was any functioning adult, I would pick that option. We just need to get <laughs> this horrible person out of office. Our, 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 we can't survive another four years, and I'm, this is not hyperbole. Is yeah. you know, but I, are you uh, not worried that he's going to get in 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 again? Do you not feel that you know? Um, I'm extremely worried. That's why I want everyone to pay attention to what's happening in in our in the world and in politics, um, and see what kind of horrible person our orange terror is, and vote his ass out in November. But apart from that, we a lot more can happen as far as like changing the world for the better outside of politics. Like say, yeah, if our leaders are have deaf ears, like say to fighting greenhouse gas emissions, taking animal agriculture seriously about his contribution to that, going vegan, you know, more people went vegan, that alone would help reduce greenhouse gas emissions. So there's things we can do individually, despite what our, our unenlightened leaders are trying to do. What confuses me, though, about like left and right wing, and I'm sure most people listening to this podcast are very left leaning, quite liberal, liberal types. You know, we do have some conservative people who follow plant based news. And sometimes I'm quite shocked by some of the views of some of some of our readers. But what I don't understand is that on the left, we have people who align themselves with saving the planet and like being more um, conscientious about living a, a more conscious life, as in using less, buying less, potentially being more vegan or eating more plant-based. And then you seem to sort of move towards the conservative, you know, right-leaning side, where you're told that if you care about the planet and that you care about the future generations of humanity, that you're a left-wing crybaby <laughs> and that your views are just BS. How is it that caring about the planet and caring about our future and our children's future and the future of all life on this planet. Since when has that become a left-wing or a right-wing thing? Don't we all live on the same planet? I agree 100%. Only here in the United States can such issues be politicized. Like, say, racism. Racism is pure evil. But somehow in the United States, if you um, are are supporting um, groups like Black Lives Matter or just the movement in general to fight systemic racism and police brutality, um, you're somehow left it's like no it's just ethical you know it's it's it's, it's not a political um, point of view it's like you know, like like face masks i don't think it's like this anywhere else in the world but there's there's you know plenty of studies now showing that the um it's 
wearing face masks are about 75 to 80% effective in reducing the transmission of coronavirus. But here in the United States, it's political. No, this is just fact. You know, saving the planet is just fact. I don't understand how everything, everything's politicized now. It's crazy. Like you said, these are just values that any decent person should have. It doesn't make you liberal or left wing. It just makes you a decent, rational, caring person. And, and, but that now somehow has been politicized and that shows you how corrupt right-wing GOP politics is right now. They don't care about anything other than protecting themselves and their power. And if several hundred thousand people die here because of a virus, no big deal. That's really, that's what shows me. If they don't care about people dying right now in the immediate present, climate change, they don't give a crap about all. It's, they can just punt that down the road, you know, but something's happening right now and they're just so flippant and blase about it. Yeah, it's just fake. That is the thing, is that the the right-leaning conservative political systems are often being fed by the corporations. And the corporations' interests are that things stay exactly as they are. And that is what is conservatism. Conservatism is about keeping things the same, keeping the status quo, keeping the rich rich, keeping the poor poor, and keeping everyone in their place. And that when the nail, and you as a nail, as a person who steps out of line, sticks up, you get hammered down, and you, you, you shut your mouth. And this is what the sort of you know this term gaslighting where it is a form of sort of emotional abuse where you stand up as an individual whether you're you know politically left or right you stand up and you speak out and you want to show that you care and you want to create change whether it's about racism whether it's about environmental justice you are hammered down and you are told you're emotional you're over the top you're extreme you're an extremist you're a terrorist what i wish i could show people and teach people and you can really only learn this on your own is that that is a psychological weapon that politicians use and populists use to force you into a way of thinking and being and it, and it is kind of like the irony is is that a lot of people on the right believe that we on the left or liberals are the brainwashed ones that we are the ones that are brainwashed, that we haven't done enough research uh, <laughs> and that we haven't done and read enough studies and that actually we're the deluded ones and that they are the ones who have seen the light and that we need to trust X, Y, and Z. And it's very complicated because obviously not everyone on the right and not everyone who's conservative yeah. is like that, you know? Absolutely. But it, it's, the, it's the political, like, populist view in the media. It paints the left and the right in this very polarizing way. And I do believe social media has played a huge role in that. Like it has polarized our society so strongly. And we obviously touched lightly there on racism. Now, after the tragic death of uh, George Floyd, many and many other people of color, it has propelled this Black Lives Matter movement into the mainstream. And, you know, this is something that people have been talking about. I've been talking about Black Lives Matter for many, many years. And and often the the comeback I've had, and even from some vegans is, well, all lives matter. All lives matter. So why are you talking about black lives? You're not even a, a person of color. Why are you talking about black lives matter? And what I cannot understand is that since when does black lives matter equate <laughs> to all other lives do not matter? matter? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just, again, it, it shows what the reason why we need to say black lives matter. If that's the reaction that many non-people of color have, it shows there's a lot more that needs to be done. Of course, all lives matter. Of course, any person with a functioning brain realizes and knows that but but in the vegan community and in our community globally there is this message being pushed which is all lives matter and we're being people are using it to propagate and to push veganism by saying 
all lives matter. Yes, black uh, lives matter, but all lives matter more because there are more animals being killed and brutalized and tortured. So we should be talking about how all lives matter and not being getting distracted. I've actually seen people in the vegan community say these things and suggest that animals are a more oppressed group, so we should not give as much attention to Black Lives Matter, the Black Lives Matter movement, which is, to me, abhorrent. Like You can simultaneously care about the lives of black people and simultaneously care about the lives of animals. Why do you have to do it exclusively one or the other? Why do you have to pick? It's not like we're asking any vegan activists to stop their vegan activism. We're just saying at the same time, acknowledge, yes, Black Lives Matter too. Just start by saying that, you know, that Black Lives Matter. Just start there. It doesn't take any extra time out of your day to say that. Just acknowledge that as a compassionate person, which I assume that's why you're an ethical vegan, You that compassion applies to humans as well. And right now is a time when it's becoming more globally known, the, um, uh, the, the, the injustices to people of color here in the United States, just here in Southern California, very racially diverse, you know, liberal area um, in some suburbs north of California. In the past month, two African-American males were found like lynched, hanging like with nooses on trees, and you know, two and two s- s- nearby towns from each other. I mean, it just shows you this is once last you heard about a white dude being found hung on a tree. This is these are real problems happening all the time, and this is what Black Lives Matter is bringing attention to all the the racism and injustice that's present in in our society. And yeah, we're not asking people to stop being vegan activists. Just show some compassion for other fellow human beings who are being mistreated. It's not that hard. It's not, it seems like a no brainer. It's just, how can you not have compassion? It seems like a no brainer, but ultimately what it is doing, it is revealing racism and it is revealing racial bias and it reveals the intrinsic fear really that is in all cultures and all communities even the vegan community which is a global community of people that that spans all cultures and even within our community we have racism and sexism and homophobia and transphobia because our community is a microcosm of the macrocosm of humanity and that's what's so interesting about being in this community because it is a slice of the human pie you could say. And within it, we have all the problems of the world. And that's why it's such a fascinating world. And that's why I love what I do, because we get to see all the different elements of humanity, all our best qualities and all our worst too. And that being vegan doesn't mean you're going to be a nice person. I think a lot of people who go vegan, they go, oh, I'm going to be vegan. And then everyone's going to be bunny loving, tree hugging, you know, kind, namaste, namaste. But it's not like that at all. It's very, it can be very aggressive and very like, even in my space, in the vegan news media space, we've got a lot of competition now, a lot of people who do what we do. And it's cutthroat, man. It's like, it gets brutal, <laughs> but it's a, an incredible world. And like, you know, to obviously to, to, to turn the conversation onto a positive, we are doing good work and we are helping people transform their health. And we are, you know, helping people reduce their carbon footprint. And we are, you know, helping people transform chronic illness. And for every negative, unhappy, aggressive message we get, there'll probably be a thousand positive messages and a thousand 
good stories about people who've taken on this lifestyle, who have become more compassionate, who've who've had improved relationships with their families, who've connected with their neighbors more because they've taken some vegan cookies over and they've, you know, wanted to talk to their, their neighbor about veganism and it's given them something to talk about and, and it's built connections and community. So there is so much beauty as well. And, and I think often we can sometimes miss that when there is a lot of ugliness and negativity. Yeah, that's just part of life. You know, there's there's good and bad, negative and positive. And if I didn't feel what we're doing, when what we're doing, that the positives, you know, didn't outweigh the negatives, I probably still wouldn't be doing this. But I feel like I said, like I said earlier, I kind of, I feel like I have to be doing this to not um, feel like I've I've given up on the, the future of all living life on this planet. <laughs> I'm just a humble guy. I'm not saying I can like fix it all or anything like that, but I'm going to try to do whatever I can in my own humble way to help the situation rather than doing nothing or actively trying to make it worse. Absolutely. And we can all do that. Like we can all take a day to do something, you know, take a Sunday or do do an evening with friends and cook them some vegan food, or we can send a cookbook to our auntie or uncle. We can, you know, there's so many different ways in which we can help shift our friends and family and people around us to a more ethical, more conscious lifestyle. And we don't have to force anyone to be vegan, but we can get people thinking and we can plant those seeds. And to me, you know, those steps in the right direction are better than no steps at all. Do you agree? Absolutely. Yeah. We need to have positive examples out there for people to follow. And that, I guess that's what we provide. Yeah. You guys are more focused on the news and we present a lot of lifestyle. Really, really, it boils down to, we want to show people how simple, how easy and just normal and inexpensive it is to be vegan. It's not some weird hippie thing. Like I was saying, it's just something that regular people do. It's easy. It's healthy. It's not hard. You know, you don't like to have to live this weird special life, kind of like this vegan quarantine away from society. You can function in the middle of the society like we do. And it, it's, it's, just, it's just normal now, especially where we live out here. There's more vegan restaurants here in, in Southern California than anywhere I've seen before. And if it's not a vegan restaurant, they'll often have a separate vegan menu. It's just so easy to go out and and be vegan so what is in in store what's what's in the future what's in store for in the future for happy healthy vegan what's next for you guys you got any exciting plans and obviously lockdown lockdown will hopefully be done soon so you'll be able to travel and move around a bit more yeah, um, the big thing that we're trying to um, finish up for this year, particularly Angie, is her next book. Yeah, we talked about Keep It Carb Baby. That's her first book from years ago. I think it's maybe four years old now. We just sold our, we've pressed, repressed it maybe four or five times. We just sold our last copy uh, a few weeks ago. So we're totally out of them now, except for the ebook, which we've been selling for half price for the entire time during this pandemic. So if anyone wants to go to our site and, and get the ebook for half price, that's cool. But Angie's trying to finish up the second book the follow-up and it's going to be even better than keep it car baby just more kinds of recipes keep it car baby was very um focused on being very kind of almost strict to the point of it being everything whole food plant-based now she's like been a little more loose you can get some beans from a can from the market and put those in the meal stuff like that just a little bit easier to make probably and this is basically the food we've been eating for the past several years so we're really excited to get that out to the world and you know everyone's always looking for some more dishes to eat you know so um 
Amazing. So, um, yeah, and also I've been expanding more on my live streams, interviewing guests, such as like, I'd like to have you on at some point in the future and talk about some of the stuff, but, but you being the focus, I guess, you know. Um, but yeah, just well, expanding my live stream, like understanding how to, um, all the technology behind it to make it more more fancy and, and, and do more with it. Sounds brilliant. Before I let you go, I always like to ask my guests this final question. If you were stranded on a desert island and it was just you and a pig... <laughs> <laughs> obviously you're not going to eat the pig because you're a vegan uh yeah, pig, my pig, best friend. <laughs> pig, will, pig will live for, for at least 25 years because pigs do live for 25 years if they're not yeah. butchered in a in a factory farm but uh if you were stuck on a desert island and i could give you one vegan dish one music album and one book what would you take with you Wow, one vegan dish, like one, like what does it mean? Like I'll have it one time or eat it yeah, like every it. day. That's all, that's all you've got every day for the rest of your days on the vegan island. <laughs> wow, okay, I got to make sure it's 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 healthy and has a lot of nutrition, and I won't be thinking of like pleasure, like you know, like like ice cream because you know you wouldn't want to live off that. Weeks. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't be that wouldn't be a good thing to sustain. If I only had one f- dish, um, I guess it'd be some kind of. Um, carby vegetable dish like some kind of like potatoes and veggies or something like that it didn't sound that delicious but i know that's gonna like you know get me through you know if i've got some greens on top of the potato probably that yeah boring but very practical <laughs> sounds great and what would be your uh, music album oh man probably it could change on a daily basis but right now i'd say if i only had one album to get me through for a long time for potentially years it would be um Pink Floyd's Wish You Were Here. Amazing. And uh, what would be your your book? What would you be reading all the time you were there? Ooh, wow. Um, that's tough. Um, I, and, you, know, you would think you'd want a long, lengthy uh, book to keep you, um, you know, occupied for long bits of time. But um, I, don't know, I think one that's touched me over the years, um, one that led me to, to Buddhism, uh, was um, Siddhartha by the German author Hermann Hesse. Amazing. Thanks for joining us on the PBN podcast, Ryan. It's been a real pleasure to have you. Yes, thank you. I was honored to be here and I was really um, just pleased to talk about all the various things I've been doing in my interests. So this is a unique interview. Amazing. Great. Thanks for joining us, everyone. I've been your host, Robbie Lockie, and we'll be back next time with more veganism, health, fashion, food, technology, and everything in between. <laughs>